Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us how God wanted to enlarge Japheth, the son of Noah, and how John 3.16 is part of God's plan of enlargement to the Jewish people. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Father, we come to you, Lord, with our eyes and our ears and our hearts, Lord. Open our eyes. Open our eyes to see the Lord Jesus. Open our ears to hear his voice. Open our heart to receive him, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, let's see here. Genesis chapter 9 and verse 27. God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem. That's it. Um, Tom's going to enlarge on this verse today. (laughs) But anyway, last week, we looked at this first prophecy here about Japheth. Very, very important. God shall enlarge Japheth. And we saw last time we were together that the word enlarge here, or patah, which is translated in every other time of the 28 times which is used in Scripture, and it's translated with the meaning of to have an influence on or persuade, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad, deceit, flatter, but it always has that connotation. So therefore, that was the basis for us last week for rephrasing this prophecy in verse 21 to read, God shall persuade Japheth. And Japheth is the son that goes the farthest from the point where they all started out in Mount Ararat in Turkey. And he travels to the ends of the world and he becomes the people, the peoples of India and Asia and Russia and the Far East and Canada and the Americas. By far, Japheth is the greatest overspreader, as God said, in this chapter, overspreader of the world. So the prophecy here in verse 21 is that God will persuade Japheth. Very, very important. God, in other words, is going to track down Japheth all the way to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the world. God's going to track him down and God's going to find him all at the ends of the earth. And when God finds Japheth, God shall persuade Japheth. He'll entice Japheth. He'll lure Japheth. And so, now why does God want to persuade Japheth? So this is the question. And the actual explanation for that is found in the most famous verse in the Bible. It's John 3.16. And where it says, as you all know, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, In order for us to really understand what's being said in John 3.16, we've got to set it within the context of where it was said and who it is said to in order to see what's really being said here in John 3.16. So the Lord Jesus Christ in John 3.16 is addressing... According to, if you like to turn to that, that's fine, you know, but I know you all know it, so anyway. But John 3, he is addressing before this verse, according to verse 10, someone, it's Nicodemus, someone who he calls a master of Israel. That's how he identifies Nicodemus. He calls him, you're a master of Israel. Actually, he says, are you a master of Israel? You don't know these things. But anyway, he calls him a master of Israel. So here's the king of the Jews explaining to a representative of the Jewish people within the Jewish land of Israel. And what's interesting is what he doesn't say. He doesn't say in this verse, John 3.16, he doesn't say, God so loved Israel 
that he gave his only begotten son. No. And he doesn't say God so loved the Jewish people that he gave his only begotten son. No, he doesn't say that in John 3.16. He doesn't say God so loved Israel. He doesn't say God so loved the Jewish people. He says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And the word for world that's used there in John 3.16, the word cosmos, is the word that for world that has the most widest sense. You could not have a word in the Greek language that has a more wider sense than the word that's used here, cosmos, to mean all the inhabitants of the world. So John 3.16, the most famous verse in the Bible, typically it's the first verse that anyone memorizes from the Bible, and typically John 3.16 is described from the word so. In other words, it's explaining just how much did God love the world. He so loved the world with the explanation that that so means he gave his only begotten son. But really, we have to look at John 3.16 from a different angle to see what's really being said here. To fully understand John 3.16, we have to see it in its Jewish context. We have to see and keep in mind that John 3.16 was being spoken to the Jewish population represented by the master of Israel, Nicodemus. That's how the Lord called him. And it's the king of the Jews who's speaking to the representative of the Jewish people. So his statement to the Jewish people in John 3.16, is that God, as the God of the Jewish people, addressing the Jewish people, he's spoken by the God of the Jewish people to the Jewish people, but allows us to see clearly, when we see this, the issue that's being addressed. What's the issue? The issue is, now let me speak as if I'm Nicodemus, as if I'm the representative of the Jewish people. And so I look at the Lord Jesus, and I say, okay, now you are the king of the Jews. You are the Jewish Messiah. You are the God of creation. Because there's only one God. There's not a, a Jewish God and other gods. There's only one God of the earth. He's the God of Israel. There's no other God but the God of Israel. And we are the Jewish people. So you as God gave to only us, the Jewish people, the very words of God, which are the Bible. You, as God, gave to only us, the Jewish people, the building where you dwelt, the tabernacle and later the temple. You, as God, gave to only us, the Jewish people, the service of God, the holy days, feast days, and so forth. You, as God, gave to only us, the Jewish people, the Messiah, to be the Savior. Now, here's the question that's on the table. This is the issue. Is God or the Messiah Savior, really only for us Jewish people? That's the question. And so, can you see how that's a very, very relevant question for the setting for the Jewish people at the time? And so, is, in other words, is the words of God, is the Messiah, the salvation of God, only for us Jewish people? Is it also for the people of Japheth, especially these Roman soldiers who we didn't even know existed, as much as what they looked like before they arrived on our shore? Is it, is it for them also? Is God and the words of God and the Messiah really only for the Jewish people? That's the question that's on the table. And that's what John 3.16 is answering. That's the answer. And the answer is a resounding no. That's the real issue that's being addressed in John 3.16. As he's saying, God so loved the whole wide cosmos. 
the God of Israel so loved the whole wide cosmos, not just the Jewish people. And he gave to the whole wide world cosmos, not just to the Jewish people, the Messiah, the Savior, the words of God. So, was this a surprise for the Jewish people to hear this? Well, it shouldn't have been. Because of the verse we're studying here in Genesis 9.27. Because this prophecy says God shall persuade Japheth. So John 3.16 is really saying God so loved Japheth and everybody else that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth, that whosoever among Japheth believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So what Nicodemus should have heard from John 3.16 and what the Jewish people should have heard from John 3.16 are the words of Genesis 9.27. They should have heard in John 3.16 the words, God shall persuade Japheth, because God loves Japheth. And what the Jewish people should have heard was their marching orders, which were given to them in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, when he said, Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, all goyim, as the word is. Goy is not a bad word. Other words are bad, but goy is not bad. It means nation or nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So John 3.16 and Genesis 9.27 are the basis for obeying this command to go and teach and make disciples of all people. So why did he say, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world? Does that mean don't worry about your personal protection? and your personal safety as you go into the end of the world to bring the gospel to the people? No. It means, well, it's not to say that that, that's not true also, but what this means is you going is how God is going to persuade Japheth. See? It means the Lord Jesus Christ as God is going to persuade Japheth, as it says in Genesis 9.27, through believers as they go and track down Japheth, even out to the end of the world, and then God, the Lord Jesus Christ, inside believers, in this particular place, speaking to Jewish believers, and through believers will persuade Japheth to be saved. See, that's what it means. Therefore, the calling of the Jewish people is not to keep the word of God for themselves, not to keep the Messiah Savior for themselves, but to go take the word of God and him into the world and track down Japheth and and let God persuade Japheth through them. So that's the meaning. And that's the meaning also behind the vision that appeared to Paul in the night when it says there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, come over. So you can picture this man with his hand said, come, come, come over here to Macedonia and help us. Now Paul was on this right at that point. He was on the Mediterranean coast of Turkey. That's where he was. And he was intending to stay within Turkey until he saw this dream. And when he saw this dream of this man from Macedonia, or the same place it is today, of the northern part of Greece, and he was asking him, he was begging him, just come over, come over. He had to cross some water. Come over and help us. And so Macedonia is one of the places where Japheth settled. So we can see this man 
in Paul's dream as a representative of Japheth. And he's asking Paul, he says, come over here and help us. That's the answer to the question, what do you think you are doing in evangelism? Helping people. That's helping them, helping them with the greatest help that they need to find God, to come to God, to have their sins forgiven. That's a big help. So now we can ask the question, what is Japheth's condition today? And if you like to turn to Romans 11, and Romans 11, which is actually one of the chapters about the Jewish people, Romans 11. But in Romans 11, verse 32, it's speaking, it's speaking here about all people. And it says in Romans 11:32, For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. So that word, that, that's a very important word, conclude, right? It's very conclusive. <laughs> it's conclude here. Yeah. It's very important. So the word conclude, so only God can make a statement. Like, only God can make this conclusive statement because he knows everybody. So he can make this all-encompassing, conclusive statement about Japheth's condition. What's the condition? All of Japheth is in a state of unbelief. God hath concluded them all in unbelief. Now, anthropologists today, they don't agree. They look over the heathen cultures, and they justify those cultures. And men like James Michener writes his books on Hawaii and concludes that it's the missionaries who disrupted their content life, their, their pure, untouched culture. Of course, he never mentioned all those human sacrifices that the Hawaiians did to their god, Ku, but anyway, that doesn't matter. But, so the anthropologists have concluded that the natives are fine. They're fine in their natural state. But God, to the contrary, has concluded them all in unbelief. If God views all of Japheth in unbelief, then that's how we should view Japheth, all in unbelief. So the question is, so God sees them in unbelief, how does he view them in all in unbelief? Does God view them all in unbelief? Does he view Japheth in unbelief so he can say, now I can send them all to hell? See? Does God view, view Japheth in unbelief so that he can sit back and say, you had it coming, it serves you right as he cast them into hell? If that's how God views Japheth in the world, then that's an issue. But the key to seeing how God views all of Japheth in unbelief comes from the word all, which is used twice there in Romans 11.32. So the first part says, God hath concluded them all in unbelief. Very encompassing. Then it says that he might have mercy upon all. So the verse does not say God concludes them all in unbelief so that he could judge them all. But when God sees them all in unbelief, God, God doesn't say, okay, now I can judge them. In other words, God sees them all in unbelief, and he says, this is great, because they're all in unbelief, so now I can have mercy on them all. Isn't that wonderful? Dad, today you talked about how when the verse says, God shall enlarge Japheth, how the Hebrew really means God shall persuade Japheth. I have two questions. First, why does God want to persuade Japheth? And second, how does God actually persuade Japheth? Well, those are very good questions. And let's consider the first one, and that is, why does God want to persuade Japheth? And again, Japheth, we're referring to all the peoples that are in the earth, these people groups scattered throughout the whole earth, and that was represented and, and really the, uh, was originated by the one son of, of Noah, Japheth. 
So the question is, why does God want to persuade Japheth? I mean, why not just leave Japheth alone where they are in those different places in the world, as James Michener told us that we should do in his book, Hawaii? Well, the first reason why God wants to persuade Japheth is because God loves Japheth. This is brought out to us. Moses brought this out to us in the Torah in Leviticus 19.34, where he said, But the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you, and thou shalt love him as thyself. For ye were strangers in the land of Egypt, and I am the Lord your God. And then... The, that great verse, which tells us in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, he loved the Japheth, he loved the whole world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What that verse is telling us is that God did not just love the Jewish people, but God did not just give his only begotten son for the Jewish people. But God loved the world, and God gave his son for the world. He gave him that whosoever among the Jewish people, whosoever among the world, the Gentiles, the Goyim, the the Japheth, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The second reason why God wants to persuade Japheth is because Japheth has sinned against God. The wisest man who lived apart from the Lord Jesus Christ is Solomon, king of Israel. And he, he taught us in Second Chronicles 6.36. He said, For there is no man which sinneth not. He said, There is no man which sinneth not. He went on to say in Ecclesiastes, his book of Ecclesiastes, verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 20, For there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Apostle Paul emphasized the same thing when he said in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So in other words, God sees Japheth and he sees that Japheth has a tremendous problem, an insurmountable problem, a problem that Japheth cannot fix. He has sinned against God. And because he has sinned against God, God knows that Japheth and all the world has incurred or brought upon himself the wrath of God, as it says in Ezekiel 18.4, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And we're not just talking about the physical death there, but first death, but the second death, the eternal state of death, which is hell. That's brought out for us in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Now, God wants to God wants to, to persuade Japheth because, because God has provided for Japheth to be saved. And it says that, that's the verse in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In other words, God provided for Japheth to be saved by giving his only begotten son. He couldn't give anything more when he gave the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a tremendous provision of God. That's what he did not withhold his son. And so 
Therefore, since he has provided for Japheth, he wants Japheth to come to him. And he's looking forward to that. That's the prophet Isaiah, chapter 56, verse 8, where he says, The Lord God, which gathereth the outcasts of Israel, saith, Yet will I gather others to him besides those that are gathered unto him. So who is God gathering among the Jewish people? The outcasts of Israel, the ones who have been thrown thrown out of the synagogue, the ones who have, who are the disabled, who are the infirmed, or the ones who, who know in themselves that they're bankrupt, that, that they end of their rope. They doesn't, he doesn't gather together from those who, you, who graduate from the University of Pride. He gathers together those who have failed and who know they have failed and who are sinners. And he gathers them together among the outcasts of Israel, the Jewish people, and also others to him. That's referring to the goyim, the others in the world, the Japheth, he gathers them as well. But he knows, God knows, and this is the last reason, God knows Japheth must decide for himself. This is Japheth's decision whether or not he's going to be saved. This is not God who's going to decide for Japheth. This is not God who's going to impose his will on Japheth. This is not God who's going to predetermine that Japheth is going to be saved. This is God who knows that Japheth must make his own decision by himself. He must decide for himself. And that's why he said, Moses said in Deuteronomy 30, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, when God says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. God knew that for anyone to be saved from their sins, he must choose himself. This must be man's decision. Japheth must decide for himself. That's also brought out in uh, Isaiah 53.10, where it says, It pleased the Lord to bruise him, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, he hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. In other words, when thou shalt decide to make his his soul an offering for sin. So therefore, God persuades Japheth to make the decision for him. He doesn't force Japheth. He doesn't he doesn't make Japheth a puppet, but he seeks to, to, to change Japheth's mind, to persuade him. And that brings to the next question, how does God do that? How does God go ahead and, 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 uh, and, and try to persuade Japheth? How does God persuade Japheth? First, God persuades Japheth through us. That's the meaning when it says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you through us. We pray you, in Christ said, be ye reconciled to God. So God persuades Japheth through us as his ambassadors, as we beseech, as we pray, as we, as we, as we send out the message, be reconciled to God. And then God persuades Japheth through events in Japheth's life, events that we have no idea about, events that we don't know and we don't need to know. But this is what Paul was referring to in his own testimony in Acts 9.5 when he said, when, when God said to him, and he said, who, uh, sorry, when Paul said, who art thou, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the bricks. God brings thorns into the life, into the lives of each individual person in Japheth's realm. And he brings these thorns, referred to here as pricks, those that, that, irritate that that disturb that 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 
that pierce. And those are what God allows to come in to persuade Japheth to come to the end of himself and to say, I'm bankrupt. I'm a sinner. I, I, and to go through the steps of just not just saying, I, I, uh, I'm interested in God, but then, you know, I, I want God, but then I need God. And finally, I must have God. And it's the pricks in the life that do that. And so God persuades Japheth through the events in Japheth's life. And then the last, is that God persuades Japheth by his spirit in us. This is what was meant when, uh, when, when God said to Paul in Acts 19, 18, verses 9 through 10, when he was speaking to him and saying, don't be afraid, Paul, to stay in this city. And it goes like this. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall sit on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. We have to realize that when we speak to Japheth of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's the Spirit of God in us that is with us, that is giving us the words to say. He is the Spirit that's referred to, that he referred to in John 16, 7 through 11, when he said the Spirit of God was going to convict the world of sin, of their own sin, of righteousness, of the righteousness they don't have, and of judgment, of the judgment that they're facing. And he convicts the world of all this so that Japheth will finally be persuaded and make his own decision to receive the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved from his sins. Thank you for joining us today. Now, Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program loves to hear about what you like about Friendship with God. So call us today at 1-800-247-3051 or send an email to Cantor. That's Tom and then C-A-N-T-O-R, Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Now you can also write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330. That's P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California, 92071. You can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse or to send a free gift to a lost Jewish person directly or to you to give to them. Friendshipwithgod.org. Return a lost sheep to God today. So call us today at 1-800-247-3051. Thanks for listening, and join us again tomorrow at the same time.